Hello and welcome to the interior design business. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm here with my co-host Susie Rumbold, past president of the British Institute of Interior Design and creative director of Tasuto Interiors to explore the inexorable rise of the branded residents. For the super rich who spend their lives moving between homes in the world's most glamorous city, it can be reassuring to buy a property endorsed by a designer brand who they already know and trust. For years now, there have been a steady stream of luxury residential developments associated with couture fashion houses and glamorous hotels. But what makes for a successful branded residence? Who is the typical resident? How does the relationship between the brand and the builder work? And how can interior designers get involved in this lucrative but tricky market sector? Welcome to the interior design business. We're joined today by Antonio Quesada, Managing Director at one of London's best-known design firms, Morpheus & Co, and Heidi Schmidtke, Managing Director, Hotels and Hospitality Germany, and Head of Operator Selection, EMEA, at Global Real Estate Advisor, JLL. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi. Thank you very much. Can you please give us a brief introduction to yourselves and to your company's experience in the branded residential sector? Antonio, do you want to kick us off on that? So Morpheus & Co is an interior design studio based in London with projects globally. We are experienced in prime residential, branded residence and hospitality. Our latest development on branded residence was with Six Senses branded residences in Courchevel that was very successful and well received. And now we are working in our second branded residence with the same brand that is due to be launched next year. Fantastic. And, and you, Heidi? Yes, I'm with uh, JLL as it's a global real estate advisor and myself, I'm looking after the operator selection for hotel real estate in particular. And the branded residential scheme is to some extent, of course, derived out of hotels. And we see a lot of um, combined projects for residential schemes that then will be added by a branded residential component. And even further, we have sometimes even standalone branded residences as a product. And our company has, for example, lately been successful in the St. Regis Palace Street in London, where we could identify St. Regis as the branded residences brand for this very nice project in London. We are currently working on projects in Dubai and in Portugal at Algarve. So it's a very strong segment and evolving segment. So very happy to be on that uh, conversation here today. Let's begin at the beginning. What are branded residences and what sort of brands put their name to these residential developments? Heidi, you're probably best placed to answer this one. I think branded residences are some places where the residents want to buy themselves a piece that they own and they feel a certain belonging to. So when they buy themselves a branded residential scheme where they can have their freedom and peace and at the same time they're very keen to buy this part of a branded scheme that they have a certain identification with. And this is what we see is something that has evolved over time and has been also derived into various segments, whereas in particular, obviously in ultra luxury residential projects, this has been started off. We see it now also evolving into different segments, but first and foremost, you have a residence that has been owned by a person or a family or a group of people that wants to have a dedicated space, which is branded and gives them therefore a certain identification and a place where they feel home 
and still part of a certain community given the brand is on top. Are they always apartments? Most of the time you have it in various sizes, right? You can have one, two bedroom apartments. It's rarely that you have or you don't have houses. You have one house where you have separate branded residential units in it. You can have villas. That is something on the resort side that exists as well. But you always have a sort of sweet apartment, I would call it. I, I can add from, from the designer point of view. So at Morphe's & Co, we sell the end user experience because the company was named after the God of Dreams. And in Morpheus, we always start with the dream. And then we developed the story. So we help with the, the developers or the real estate agencies creating the narrative from the beginning of the project on branded residences. This is actually a very important point. So when developing a project, we take him on board. What is the investor or the developer or the private client goals, objectives? Then we take on board what is the location? What is the, the narrative of the property or, or the development? Because architecture and interior design is always located in a specific point. It's not, it's not in the, on the cloud. <laughs> so, so we only need to take on board what's the location. And I like to explain that like Michelangelo, when he used to buy a slab of marble and then chipping away the, the sculpture with the branded residences or the private clients, we do the same. We, we take on board all the elements that influence the, the branded residences and we develop the design and most times the the input on the branded residence or why the people uh, wants to buy them is the brand prestige originally uh, it was started with hotels but now we can find branded residence in many other sectors we did a project in mauritius and we had apartments and villas that they were very close to the main resort hotel but they were independent at the same time branded residence more often than not is not the primary residence, it could be a second residence. So you have a guarantee that is well maintained, is well looked after, and everything is working. There is a brand and a recognition behind. So as an investment, it's important as well that this is taken care of. So you mentioned that branded residents are often associated with hotels. What, why is that? It pioneered all in the hotel scheme. And I think the hotel, at the same time, it offers you home in a way, a home away from home. Hotels often had this creation of a belonging that you wanted to achieve for your guests as the hotelier. And at the same time, if as a guest, you fell in love with the hotel and you felt home and you liked the brand and identified yourself with the brand, that is then exactly how this merge between the hotel guest and such brand has evolved, I would say. And on top of that, the services that the hotel provide ultimately are the ones that you buy also with the idea of having a branded residence. You can have that, obviously. There are schemes where there's just the brand and you as the owner, you create your own um, apartment or your own unit according to your um, requirements because you don't give it into a rental pool of the hotel, but you still can have the benefit of taking the amenities and the services of the hotel if you want to. And the other extreme is then you put it, put it your apartment also when you don't use it in the rental pool. On the other hand, that means you have not the flexibility in terms of how you design your apartment because you have to then adhere to the brand standards of the respective brand, be it a hotel brand or a consumer brand. And I think that the additional point is the history as the first uh, branded residence was in New York's Fifth Avenue in 1920s. So it was, it was part of a, of a hotel. So also is the, the origin. 
I think is, is an influence. I have heard from some investors that it's also a formula for finance the, the projects. So when you are developing the hotel, the branded residents are owned privately. So if you have early buyers on the branded residences, it can also help you finance in the hotel project because it's, it's one project and you treat the same way the room of the hotels as the apartments because it's in, possibly in the same lots very much i mean look for a residential project there's a standalone for sure also the fact that if you do branded residential units and you sell them right when you start that means you can already subfinance basically the whole development and that's in the current days when financing is one of the key topics um, and problems to in, in the current market environment i think having some sort of financing also from the very start is helpful. And again, as you said rightly, Antonio, the, the fact that it also supports the PL ultimately of the hotel and can therefore lead to higher returns for the hotel if you have it added to a hotel, that's the other uh, quantitative part which, which is helpful. If you go back to the 20s, and you were mentioning there were a couple of ones in New York, was it because there were more and more people who effectively were living in the hotels? Was it because people were, were treating these not just as places to stay for one or two nights, but almost as permanent residences, that, that this whole thing evolved in the first instance? Yes, that's one, one factor. And I think it was also because it was a development of the cooperative service apartments. Branded residences are an evolution or, or an adaptation of service apartments. So when you have your concierge and, and you have the maintenance and the running or operations of the of the private residence by a company. So a hotel and, and a service apartment could be in some sometimes aligned. Because we also work on the on the hotels and boutique hotels industry. Sometimes now we're talking with our clients that when you are designing a boutique hotel, you, you don't just have one business. You have maybe two or three. So you have the accommodation and then you have the housekeeping but then you have the, the spa um, and you have the restaurant or, or the bar and the bar could be used for local businesses or local people and it can run simultaneously at the, as the hotel it's more a, a holistic business plan so they, they, they could work almost independently even though everything is under the same umbrella so i can see some evolution of the initial cooperative service apartments. There is also in, in the United States there and Canada, there are some formulas where a company will buy seven or eight apartments in a building and they use them for their staff when they have to do business trips. So it's always the same rooms or same uh, standards, but then everything is maintained and, and kept up by a hotel or a service apartment uh, unit that is next to them. Yes, I, I think that's very much a trend here too. And then Heidi, you mentioned that it's an accelerating trend that this is branded residences are very much on the up. Yes, for sure. I think we all don't want to, but if you remember COVID for, for a second, it was the time when um, we were forced to stay at home, couldn't travel that much, but at the same time, people, many had to still continue working at home. And what you can definitely say is the trend of founding your own little getaway from home where you have still enough space and where you can be on your own in, a, in an environment that you like has led to the rise of, of these concepts quite strongly. And on top of that, the number of high net worth individuals who can afford to have such second home and also pay a premium to have a brand on top, the number of these people has really grown tremendously over the last years so that the people who can afford to buy something like that also have given more and more money into this segment and therefore made the trend 
rise, but also when we think about urban destinations, that has also evolved further into resort destinations because people wanted to have their space while they still had to work from home. If you think of vacation, etc., that has also given additional boost to the segment. Would you say that uh, there is a typical audience, a typical purchaser? Yes, the premium that you have to pay in order to get a branded residence's product still is something that is affordable to a certain clientele and very traditionally it was high net with individuals who could afford to buy it and it's still pretty much a luxury uh, product and if you think about the brands from the both the hotel side but also the consumer side it's mainly in the luxury segment where these brands are positioned if you think of raffles ritz carlton these brands from the hotel side but also armani bulgari aston martin on the consumer side these type of brands all play in the same league meaning luxury which then also in turn allows to add a premium from a development side of things some data is is also supporting this between 2002 and 2012 the number of participating hotels increased by tenfold and between 2011 and 2021 170%. So is when we reached the 2019 the huge increase came from all these consumers in industry that got involved so not just the hotels they saw the hunger for for these products automotive fashion interior designers landscape designers developers they jump creating brands on on their own as well so the more opportunities or the more products that you create in the market creating also more more attraction if you think of from the brand for a second what they want to do is broaden their client base right and they want to make sure that their clients they they stick to them whatever they do and at the same time they can expand their product in just another sector but then they make sure that their loyal customers stay with them wherever they go why is it luxury and why does the segment is so successful if you think of hotels when can you develop then in city center locations the density of these city centers and the availability of sites where you can still develop luxury hotels has definitely become less over years hence where can these luxury hotel brands evolve further and branded residences are therefore one option on how you can still grow on the luxury segment but just enter into another segment that is not pure hotel and often these branded residential schemes can also be much smaller than the traditional luxury five star hotel so that's fascinating when you put it like that of course it's it's perfectly obvious that a scarcity of city center sites in key cities would push branded residences into other formats but probably also into as you mentioned earlier resort but we'll, we'll come into that in a minute i was just curious to know is the branded resident invariably someone who is time poor are they going into branded residences partly because they want to be in a city a particular city they don't have the time or the inclination to do an apartment of their own yes i mean they can afford it no i think of the probably typical branded residence owner it might well be that he has one two or three of these branded residences in various city centers, let's say, or he has two in city centers and one in a resort destination. All these amenities and services are certainly the factor why they then tend to to buy the whole package, so to speak. Yes, and, and I think it's, it's, it's not only designing. So I know that we focus on, on the interior design part, but it's also the maintenance. They, they don't need to worry about uh, who's gonna be doing the housekeeping, I left something in the house. No, no, everything is covered under the service uh, fees of the hotel and the branded residence. So time poor, not just for the beginning of the buy, but all the way through. But also, I suppose if you're flying in at midnight on a Tuesday night, you know that there can be milk in the fridge or 
croissant for the morning or fresh coffee or flowers or whatever else you've asked to have put in there. You can tell the chef, I'm going to entertain a couple of friends. We are flying from my hometown and I want the table and everything be ready. The rooms prepare for them to stay with me. It's, it's an elevated service. Which cities have the most branded residences and do they exist in smaller conurbations or are they just a big city phenomenon? They are indeed focused on the big cities. So New York was the, the starting point. If you think of big cities like worldwide, Tokyo, I take Madrid, for example, I take London, obviously, all these big city centers where also the availability of residential is, is relatively expensive and scarce. And you have people who can afford to pay premium prices. This is where these products, these concepts are make the most sense and where they where you will find them. We don't have yet really a branded residential product in Germany because yes, we have big cities and we have Berlin, but is the level of, of pricing in, in Berlin comparable with London or Paris? It's not. On the other hand, you have branded residential schemes in London and Paris, but you don't have them yet in the German market. I did a little bit of research and the top 10 markets. Number one is the US with 106, just followed by Mexico with 19. So it's like five times more in the US. Europe and, and the Middle East are covering 66% of the pipeline in the future market. So I don't know exactly which one will be finished earlier. According to, to the source that I have, the pipeline for 2023, 2024 and 2025 is that they will release on average 25 schemes per year. That's uh, a lot. There is a, a lot of investment behind behind this. Dubai is currently on the rise. As I said earlier, we are currently working on one there, but it's just one. And there is, if you take the Accor group, for example, if you take only them, I think they have five, six or seven projects in that area that are only focusing on rented residences. When we're looking into the statistics, we have three elements to look because there are city branded residences resort or sun residences and resort ski so you will have more developments in the center of europe with the alps and and you will have more in the mexico or latin america on with related to the sun and, and the, the nature on the on the sea so it's it's, it's, it's also it's, it's very influenced by locality so we've been talking up till this point about brand new developments for the super rich but are there any watered down, you know, with many of these trends, you get a trickle down effect. Are there any watered down versions available? Coming from the hotel industry, what is currently very much a trend that we also see is lifestyle. People want to have a scheme where they feel on the one hand, they have a quality promise and what they get in terms of the hardware, in terms of the service. On the other hand, it shall be a relaxed environment. It shall not be too stiff. It shall be high quality but probably a, a bit more down-tuned and what these lifestyle concepts also manage to do is to create the sense of belonging and the sense of i want to be part of it and this is what lifestyle as a whole is is able to create and this is exactly what we see as the next evolution in this branded residential world if we stick for a second again with accor as a big brand there is the nsmore part within accor this is the lifestyle brand umbrella for all the lifestyle product within accor and they have various concepts be it a Mondrian or be it even um, a Hoxton, this type of product that is purely lifestyle, which they now also start to develop in, in the branded residential scheme. This is not uh, confirmed data, but uh, I was earlier in Dubai this year and I was staying in a, 
you know, an Airbnb to, to experience something that I, I couldn't kind of understand. And they are starting to grow these uh, independent companies that they operate under Airbnb or another booking.com platforms where they have a portfolio of properties that are owned by individuals, but they hire a fit-out company or, or they hire an interior designer to basically renovate and do all these properties scatter through the city and they have their own rental pool so the buildings have their own concierge but then they also have that additional service to cater for for these rentals and that will be answering your question that is is that economic adaptation to a similar service and would the interior design in those particular groups of airbnbs were they giving them a signature look as well so that it was recognizably a brand so you could genuinely say that that is a branded residence of of, of a type yes they present all the properties under the same standards kind of trying to create a, a brand identity that is fascinating that is fascinating Heidi, what are the attractions for agents in marketing these types of residents? For the developer to give this product to an agent, they can differentiate themselves from other product in the market very nicely. Because if you brand it, it's a new product that gives themselves already an identity. Hence, you attract a very specific clientele. You can certainly say you will confront them with a very exclusive product in the market that is second to none. No one has seen it before. And you as the end customer, as the owner of the residence, you have a piece of the brand that you can can buy. And on the other hand, also the price premium that is being derived from selling branded residential schemes. Ultimately, this is why branded residences also have evolved so strongly because there is a price premium. And hence, if there's a price premium, there's a higher price to generate. And it makes it a unique selling proposition for the end customer, but also the agent to bring it to market. That makes perfect sense. So not so much for hotels, but for perhaps other brands. I'm thinking about some of the fashion brands that have thrown their names into the hat. If you look at something like the Bulgari Hotel in London or the Bulgari Residences rather in London, do those brands do anything other than just put their name to the development? Because clearly they're not going to be the developer. How does that work? Antonio, you can probably help us out on that one. So, for example, uh, Morphys & Co. has been approached by La Martina, the polo sport equipment number one in the world. And we were talking to them on what would be the strategy and what are the requirements to create the La Martina lifestyle uh, or La Martina branded residences. La Martina has a very distinctive identity, polo and, and family. So when we were doing the research, we analyzed what are the core values of the brand. And then we, we try to extend that to the branded residences and what that means to anyone trying to buy into that lifestyle. So actually, all those core values help us define what should be the offering. We were creating with them that identity and that brand and then developing individually in each location. It's very important to identify the location so the brand also identifies with the, lo the location where they are settling. If you think again back to the consumer brands or La Martina or there is now the first Louis Vuitton com hotel coming to the market and um, Christian Louboutin, he also has now designed his first hotel in, in Portugal. So I think these brand promise is also linked to a strong quality promise and whatever you as the customer buy into you are assured that yes i get exactly the quality that i'm used to and now it's not a shoe <laughs> now it's a rented residence apartment but ultimately this is this kind of quality promise that you also 
as the brand, the customer brand deliver to the client. Does that represent a risk to the brand if the, if the residence isn't up to it? Yes, definitely. We have a, I had a long conversation with also another ultra luxury brand that was very particular because they were, they're looking for a partner who can then be their operating partner in these branded residential schemes and hotels. And they were saying they will not make something that is comparable to anything else and they will stay involved until the last linen has been put on the bed to make sure that the quality standards are being achieved. Meaning that, yes, if something goes wrong or something is not according to these standards, it can be a risk also for the development because things get heavily delayed and you are dependent on many, many aspects in, in, in the whole process. So that, that is certainly a certain risk. But maybe, Antonio, you have already experience with that as well. That's the definition of a very challenging <laughs> investor opportunity. <laughs> they might need to be develop, developers, investors and, and brand. All together, yes. You know, talking talking with the, the hotels and the formulas that they have, uh, when we were looking into the hoteliers, investors and branded residences, that's also an important part. Because you have sometimes you have operators and owners, and and when you are the owner and the operator, there is a different dynamic when you have two different parties. Um, so you can have an investor that it could be a financial fund, or and then you have the developer, and then you have the contractor, and then you have the brand. Everybody needs to be aligned. Not to mention that you have a ego architect or ego interior designer that also want to Im- Im- implement their their idea of what needs to be done. So, the artist. so yeah, the artistic. It it could be it could be very difficult. It's a, it's opening into diversifying into a different market that they are not experts yet. And then yes, there is the risk that you can dilute the brand. And is you, you just do everything and you are not the expert on that field. That was something that we discussed as well. We need to make sure that you remain expert or, or reference for that product that you are offering. And, and what happened is that they changed the names. So you have noticed that it's not the same name as you, you mentioned with Bulgari. It's Bulgari Home or is or is I'll just say the, the big one, Sarah Home. It's not Sarah. It's Sarah Home. So it's the same. It's a there's a link in the brand, but it's a different division. There's also a reason if you think about the hotel brands, like take an edition, take a Ritz Carlton, take a, a Waldorf, for example. The big brands would never franchise these brands. So because of the risk that is attached to the to the branding, and if someone else operates the brand in the wrong way, or in our example, if the developer does not develop it according to the very strict stand, brand standards. Or the individual resident owner is not applying if he wants to give it in the rental pool to the design of the brand, then this is a big risk diluting diluting the brand for the hotel, the branded residences, um, both at the same level. The five biggest hotel groups, Accor, Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton, and IHG. But the, under those umbrellas, how many brands do you have? Yes. Basically, and, and, and I think this is kind of the strategy of protecting the, the global brand, is that they buy and sell names and brands that they have. You, you know, when you go to a, an Accor or a Hyatt, they have group standards and then you have brand standards. It strikes me as uh, it strikes me as quite high risk, but ultimately as well quite high reward because if you're successful with your brand, you can make a, a good market premium above what might be normally expected for an equivalent standard development. Yeah, but you have to get it right. I mean, that's true for every project, right? But here it's another level of getting it right or wrong. So you you blame the interior designers? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Is this also an emerging trend within the care home sector? 
as long as as it is also something where you have a, a crowd that can afford to pay a premium for it, I think yes, there is a there could be a market. Have I seen a lot of it yet? Probably I'm not the best to answer, but it's not for me something that is very present. But it would make sense again as long as it's affordable. And if you think of the money that's available to then at that point in time in your life get the right apartment, let's say. It's probably not always the case that you can spend a fortune on it. I have two two examples of of something similar. So one it was a project in, in central London next to Chelsea Barracks. They are opening a Love Day Belgravia that is a elevated or high level uh, care home for those that they continue liking living in the city that are scaling down for bigger properties maybe in, in London or outside of London um, still want to have a high level of, of, of care and, and the second one is something that I think is going to be happening in the future and is related with the wellness and this is um, a place where a retirement but it, it could be from as early as late 40s late 50s where you might have early retirement or you have a, a little condition, but you don't want to be in a care home. And then you go to a compound where you have all the facilities that you want, but they are all catered at the highest levels. So you have, it's not that you have a hospital or you have a clinic within the compound, but, but there, there are services offering and, and they are, that's something that I have heard and it's been in discussions that it could be the future not more than one hour away from the major cities and and it's places where you can go and and it kind of was connected to detox centers or places where you go and and disconnect and and look after your body and i think that there is a very famous examples in central europe as well so it's people not normally tend to go there maybe for two weeks but there is um after and again after covid and after making the, the, global, the global awareness that we, we have just one body and we need to look after it, is having these places of retirement that where you can look after, after yourself, after surgery or after an accident, or, or you have a condition and you just want to be in a, in a place that you have the medical services. And it's, uh, I have, I'm starting to hear about that, but I haven't heard any, any specific brand yet. To be successful in this sector, does the designer have to be a brand in their own right? Uh, yes and no. If the branded residents are going to be focused on the designer, yes. And you have the example of Philip Stark that they are doing the hotels, but he he's the brand. So when you are making the, the, the development or the branded residences, you, you are accounting for two appealing. One is the brand that is developing the, 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 the product and also the designer. So if you are a brand on, its, on your own, you can dilute or you can affect that. But I have to say that I have seen that happening. You have a guest, uh, I think last month, Kelly Hoppen, and they were doing a development in China with Lamborghini. So there you are. It's, a, it's an automotive brand working with a famous interior designer doing a development together. The brand will have the hints of Lamborghini and we have the, brand, the hints of uh, Kelly Hoppen. It's a, it's a risky one because you, you need to like both, no? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> So what would you say are the attributes for a design firm to be successful working in this space? Morpheus & Co. has a background on, on prime residential and hospitality. And I think that it is very important to have an understanding of the uh, user experience, but also the operations that are behind a hotel to, to have a, not just the design, uh, but also the operations. I think we more and more we are talking about a holistic design 
where we are not stopping getting involved into the projects when we finish stage six and, and hand over the project. It's, it's more that we are there to, to make sure that the operations and the feedback on how the operations work are taken care of during the design stages. So I think it's important to, to have both backgrounds to, to, to offer a service that is uh, holistic. One thing that I find uh, curious, Antonio, is, is do you find it too prescriptive for a design practice to work on this type of project or, or do you get the freedom to be creative, as creative as you'd love to be? Certain brands have more strict guidelines. So you have the situation where you have the blank canvas and you panic and everything is possible. And also you have very strict guidelines and then you, you can follow the strict guidelines and find a solution that hasn't been thought before. Or you can simply challenge those guidelines and actually offer something that is better and, and propose them to improve those guidelines. So both situations happen. And I think I think that there is not something as challenging. It's about the creativity. And, and to have a successful design, I think one thing that is crucial in the latest developments that we are working on is allowing time for coordination and revision. It's not just presenting and having all the, all the different parties making sure that the, the ideas are all taken care. Well, you talked about the, the number of parties who are involved on a project from Heidi and the agent to the investors and the brand itself. So how easy is it to satisfy multiple clients on this kind of project? It's very difficult. <laughs> Everybody has the same goal. And if the brief and the objectives of the project are set up from the very beginning very clearly, it helps everybody to keep focus. Morphis and Co. with the, the initial dream and capturing the brief and, and translating that dream for our clients, we often go back to say this is what we wanted to do. So the idea and the concept and the, the, and the consumers, the, the definition of the, of the product that we want to do is defined on the, on the first stage. When there is a um, difficult situation where we have two different directions and we want we, we just go back this is what we wanted to do and then and that's the direction that we have to go it's a, a lot about coordination and and making sure that we continue looking for the what is the final goal because uh, sometimes we can get distracted with the the tone of the stone or or, or the appliances that we're going to use it's important but sometimes we just need to look into the bigger picture and and see what are the elements that define the, the design and the spaces and then help to all the parties agree on what we need to do and, and keep the brand foremost in your mind so that everything you all the decisions align back to the to the brand i suppose um if anyone listening to the podcast wanted to get into this market what is the one piece of advice you would give them make sure that the brief is clear and understood not not just receiving the brief but speaking with the client speaking with the developer the, the uh, local consultants if they understand in the same line what we want to achieve and, and having communication and coordination. It's, it's all about making sure that we have together a very good team that can deliver the project. We have talked in, in other situations where it's ego-free ego or ego-friendly, but it's not, it's not about ego. It's about having the same objective and, and driving in the same direction to, to get the project right. And, and in terms of design, it, it's important to do a, a good research and not repeat formulas and not repeat something that has been done somewhere else because people that buy into branded residence are people well traveled and they have seen several schemes so we need to we need to see what works do our research and and actually visit as many places as we can to see what works and what is is, is actually beneficial 
for the for the users and how we can make it work for the developers and the investors. What would you say, Heidi? What type of interior design practice do you look for? What are the attributes you want from your designers? Look, I think in case of Antonio's great idea is track record. I mean, that is what you then want to be assured that someone is not running his first branded residential project or luxury residential project, ideally. But branded residences, I think, go one step further, as we now have discussed, and are much more strict in terms of the standards that you need to adhere to. I think that is certainly key when I think of who would I choose as the partner or recommend to go with as the interior designer to make sure it is something that that works. Obviously, it's a thin line between the artist and also the way how commercially these projects are looked at. But I think if you are experienced in that segment, you have the good balance between the artificial approach to it in the sense of I want to create something state of the art. And on the other hand, you know, it needs to be something that is also feasible from a commercial point of view. And if you have experience in that, you know it. And that's something I would put trust in. happen if a brand ever lost its prestige? Would the value of the asset collapse? It is difficult, I think, because this is ultimately what we argue is you pay a premium for the value of the brand. Now, if the brand collapses, that has an impact. I think from a hotel's perspective, we have seen brands being like taken away and then this had an impact on the overall value of the of the property. Hence, if we think of the individual branded residential units, I think it would also have an impact. However, it depends on what is being done with these apartments or these units because if they are individually owned, and you have them, yes, then to resell this and bring it to market without this brand, you definitely won't get the premium back. If you have it, however, as part of a rental pool, I think it's even more crucial because then you also count on a certain probably return out of renting it via the rental pool and now the brand is gone. So it might be even more severe given the fact that this is also bringing in other customers, which then probably will no longer be the case because the brand is gone. So I think it can have an impact. One final question. Do branded residences stay the same or do they change and evolve to maintain that premium market position? And if so, are there any guidelines for revisiting a property or a development to to upgrade it so branded residents are in, in in terms of time they haven't been in the market for that long but i would i would say that branded residents are sitting in between the timelines of renovation so the capex and, and time where they need to renovate the hotel and the time that you normally need to renovate a property it will be sitting in between, but it's also the the type the type of customers. So we we tend to see the normal residences or apartments in in the, in the market that they have a renovation maybe every fifteen years. I'm talking now. I know that historically I was at an architectural school. We were designing houses to last fifty years. Then it turned to twenty five, and now I think you, you if you don't paint the walls of your house or change the wallpapers every few, 10, 12 years, <laughs> they're falling apart unless they're very well done. So when when we move to prime residential or luxury residential, those schemes they tend to renovate the properties every every ten years, and a hotel normally the plan is to do it every every six or seven depending on the on the use. So I think branded residences will be closer to to the that bracket of maybe every seven years, every every eight years max to to have like a refresh of of the of the interiors, and because they are operated by a hotel or or a brand, they immediately keep the the maintaining the the common spaces, the public areas. They will have new formulas of how to 
re-engage with the community because there are so many branded residents in the pipeline. So people might think, I sell this one that I haven't enjoyed for five years and I move to the next one. That that could be something to, to also consider. My opinion is that it will need to be maintained as the same way as we have been maintaining cars in the past. The automobile industry is showing us that you need to have the MOTs and we need to maintain our vehicles in good nick to, to keep giving us the performance that we deserve. I think property is going in, in the same level when we need to check all the services, all the mechanical elements that we have behind the world are also kept up to standard. Agreed. I think I would very much tend to say you have to at least use the renovation cycle that you would use for a hotel room because also here you have the next generation at the one hand. On the other hand, also the fact that it is being used in a different way and you want to probably give it to someone else, not only keep it for yourself, makes it more important that you refresh it to a certain extent. And I think another more design idea or trend that I would say is I feel that the taste or the the idea of this product doesn't, although it's probably sometimes called luxury, needs to be heavy curtains, etc. like this, what we would usually probably have in mind when we talk luxury, very much it can be a very high quality, but it can also very well be lean, meaning that it is good luxury level for sure. And you can feel it from from the, the look and feel, but it doesn't have to be a very heavy design in that sense. I think that is something we see evolves more and more and is seen over all the different concepts. And also, again, touching upon the lifestyle segment, I think this is something that obviously also doesn't need a heavy design in a sense of being old school luxury type of design. Just to finish on the on the future of branded residences, I, I'll say that there are also something coming as well that is branded rental packages and, and branded renovations that we, we possibly see in the future. A designer that have put together a renovation pack and you can implement that into your properties. So it will not be operated, but it will be, so it's not a branded residence, but it's a branded pack. So the whole collection from a brand that you can put in your house and that's all together. I have learned so much in this hour of conversation. So I. Absolutely. So I just wanted to say thank you so much to Antonio and Heidi for your time today. It has been the most fascinating and informative conversation. I can't tell you. Thank you both so much. What an excellent discussion. Thank you so much, Antonio and Heidi, for your time today. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode and please do get in touch on our social channels at Interior Design Business Pod to share any feedback. The Interior Design Business is a Wildwood Plus production.